great to be with you once again. Uh, great joy this year because I get, I think I was here in April or early May or something, and this is the second time, which is I always look forward to speaking here. Uh, but I got to tell you <clears throat> a little secret about myself, that oftentimes when I speak, I do not know how I'm going to start my sermon. And it's a little thing that, you know, after like, you know, 25 of years doing this, I don't think I'm going to change, you know. Uh, uh, so last night when Terry was saying, oh, we're our summer series, Moments of Decisions, I said, oh, I better figure out how I'm going to begin the message because I'm going to come up in, th in 30 seconds, you know. Uh, uh, <laughs> and I said, well, I think I'm going to share about the Moments of Decision this past year as it deals with money because that's the topic that I, I decided, I told Terry I would talk about, money, decision-making, Jesus Christ. Uh, and I said, this so much, because this year, more than any year that I know, had, had, to, do with, had to do with money and decision-making and finances. And we're not talking about decisions where, you know, like, okay, what do I, what do I order, you know, at a restaurant, you know? <laughs> Should I order, you know, uh, you know? No, we're not talking about that, okay? You know, we're not talking about tens of dollars or hundreds of dollars. We're talking about decisions that will be thousands of dollars, tens of thousands of dollars, maybe hundreds of thousands of dollars because it really affects your life. Earning, huge decisions. And it's not things that you're gonna do it like every week and have one of these things. If you have to make one of these decisions every week, there's something wrong with you, okay? Okay, you're not gonna, you, you, people won't make these decisions every week. But every so often, you're gonna make them, you know? And you're gonna have to, you're gonna have like, well, what, what, what should I do? Now I'm gonna share you three of them. Uh, and they each sort of relate to a different aspect of, of the message I'm giving, and um, each one involves part of my family. Um, about a month ago, my oldest daughter, her name is Allie, and all my children live in Los Angeles. They're married, they live in Los Angeles. Uh, called my wife and said to her, what would you think if we moved to North Carolina? Now, when my wife told me this, my face dropped as her face was dropping here. Now, I'm sure North Carolina's a great state, okay? It's a great state, okay? But we are very close to our daughters, okay? Not proximity, we're like 500 miles, you know, away, but close in terms of relationship. Probably talk to each of them every day, okay? In some fashion on the cell phone or text message them, okay? And um, so when she said, well, what do you think Man, that's a decision that like rip our heart out, man. And the reason why she said, well, you know, because it's it's it costs a lot less to live there, and you know that's why we don't live in San Francisco. We we can't afford it. Neither we're finding out we might not even afford L.A., which is probably a thirty percent cut uh, savings from San Francisco. And she said it's just a lot more economical out. So what do we say? I mean, we're really close to our, our daughters. You gotta you understand it. You know, pictures of plaster all over our walls. You know? <laughs> really, I get I get good gifts from them for Father's Day. You know, I mean, not not, not I mean, really thoughtful stuff. You know, not the not the not the junk that you know, you know, it's it's, it's kind of Kmart quality, man. It's really good stuff. You know. Well, there was another moment of decision. This 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 was like early in the year. My youngest daughter just got married uh, uh, end of May. And uh, uh, it was a great time when they got engaged. But then the question always came, and it came about a year ago. It's, it's like, Dad, uh, how much money do I get to spend on my wedding? 
Now, I don't know about you, but, but in the Chinese community, weddings are a big thing, you know? I mean, if, if you know, it, it, it means, it talks, you know? You know, it, it talks. You know, some people, they want, like, nice wheels on their car, you know? You know, I mean, the, the, the Chinese community, we don't care if we have spinners on our car. We, it's not, it, do, it, does, it, it doesn't make us happy, okay? But the wedding and the meal, ah, now you're talking, man. Now you're talking culture, man. I mean, each culture has a different type of thing that they put a lot, of, lot, lot on. And in the wedding, the Chinese culture, wedding is one of these big things. So I've always been like big on weddings, big on weddings. It's a really festive thing, wedding weddings. But I said to my daughter, I said, my, my, my finances aren't as good as they, they were when my other daughter got married, when Allie got married. <laughs> Which then you could tell by the tone of her voice. You see, you've always loved the other daughter more. <laughs> I've always, and it's like, like, once you use that card, I mean, you, you're bound to give the exact dollar for dollar to the very penny. <laughs> because if it's a dollar off forever, you will, be, you will be marked as someone who loved this other daughter less because you spent a dollar less on her wedding. She was unworthy. Oh man, what she, she, no, I trained her, man. She, she knows how to use that card. And when she used that card, oh man, I got, I, okay. Okay, but you gotta take, for instance, that my finances are, but I'll do the best that I can. He says, okay, okay, okay. And I remember, it was, a, it was an agonizing thing. And so we're not talking about hundreds of dollars. We're not talking about thousands of dollars. Okay, you have another zero and then something in the front too. But not six figures, but it's somewhere in the four, five figure range, okay? Well, the last story I gotta do about, about moments of decision occurred for me. I shared a little bit about uh, uh, the last time I spoke, but I, I made a huge transition in terms of my occupation. I was a pastor for 26, five years, over 25 years in Chicago and in San Francisco. And um, I left the pastorate, uh, my connection with my church in April of this year, so it's very close. And then I'm now a, a full-time professor of theology at Western Seminary, which, which I love. But it was, it was not an easy decision, and I will share it to you why why, how I could make the decision why, you know? It was not easy at all. And now, as a disclaimer, as we talk about money, and it's a very sensitive thing, okay? Uh, one of the things that I'm very sensitive is like, when someone talks about money in the name of Christ, I always say, okay, how much is this guy worth? Okay, because I've heard stories, this guy's telling about that I do money, and the guy's a multimillionaire, okay? And so it's easy for you to say about money because you don't have to worry about money. Okay, I've seen those people all the time, you know? And I said, nah, they don't, they don't really understand struggle. Okay, so you gotta understand me. So that's why the disclaimer. Okay, so what's my background? First, the disclaimer is uh, I came from working class stock. Both my parents never graduated from high school. My wife's parents never went to college. Well, say, well, that doesn't mean anything. They could be very wealthy people. You know, you know, they're very, they're, you know, they could be very industrious people. You know, okay, they're not wealthy people. Okay, you got to understand that. You could tell the type of of of, of person that they ha you are by I tell people by the, by the teeth you own. It's a very interesting theory I have. Um, I should write an article on this. But um, I was counting. Like, and I will share this, this is a very personal thing, private thing. Uh, you will have to, you, you will pay thousands of dollars of therapy just to be able to say this publicly. But I have six crowns in my mouth, six. I can't even use whitening strips 
because the crowns will stay dark. You know, they all be able to see, well, what, what are those six black teeth in your mouth, you know? And all the other pearly whites. It's like, I, I, I can't use whitening strips because it, it, it won't whiten the crowns and I'll look like a, a, I'll look weird, man, weird. Can't do that, man, can't do that. Um, my father never owned a series of restaurants, Chinese restaurants or something, you know? He said, maybe own restaurants, you know? You know, man, like, like, no, I didn't know. He worked as a waiter, okay? And so did my father-in-law. I didn't get inheritance because all my parents and in-laws are still alive. Okay, so there's no, no, there's no inheritance money, you know? Okay? I didn't win Powerball, okay? Or the lottery, or Super Lotto, okay? You gotta, you gotta get this. I didn't win any of that. When I was in college, I worked in a bookstore. When I was in graduate school, for two years, I was a carpenter's assistant. For three and a half years, I washed trucks. Okay, you gotta understand me. But I'm not poor. But you gotta understand who I am. Okay, so when I say this, it's not like I'm loaded and I could say all this about faith and because I really don't have to worry because all I gotta do is call daddy and he's gonna write a check for whatever I want. Okay, don't have that, okay. Now, we can talk about the sermon. <laughs> because these things, when you are sort of like a regular person, it takes a lot of thought. It's, it's harder than you think, actually, when you make it. But I'm going to give you three principles. And in these three principles, there's going to be two that what I would categorize as common sense and common wisdom. Principles that if you follow, it doesn't matter what creed or religion you are in. It doesn't, you don't even have to believe in God. They are just sort of common sense things that the Bible refers to that will help guide you in many of the key points in life in decision-making when it comes to money. The third point is going to be the Christ perspective that is really the game-changer that can catapult you in the inner man into something very, very different than just common sense, that only a faith in what Christ has taught can you do this. So that's how I'm gonna divide it. So we first go with common sense and common wisdom about money because these things you will need to do and sort of to maneuver and to survive in life. The first major principle in terms of common wisdom and in common sense is really the aspect of debt, living within your means and trying not to be in debt. Now, there's going to be a passage that comes on. It's found in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 15, 1 to 3. Now, originally, this was in the Old Testament law, and it was to be lived out amongst the believing community of Israel. Okay, where everyone believes in the same God, they have the same faith. So there are some things that only they could do. Let's read it. At the end of every seven years, you shall grant a release of debt, and this is the form of the release. Every creditor who has lent anything to his neighbor shall release it. He shall not require of it of his neighbor or his brother, because it is called the Lord's release. Of a foreigner you may require it, but you shall not give up your claim of what is owed by your brother. This is a strange teaching here, but what it is is that in Israel, ancient Israel, you know, every seven years there was to be a forgiveness of debt amongst other people of like faith. Like faith. This is a very, very important passage because ultimately this would be a foreshadowing of the forgiveness of debt that we have, not of cash before God, but in terms of life debt payment. 
What this passage tells us is that God does not like debt. Amongst his people, he has instituted a law back then in the book of Deuteronomy that would wipe out debt because of forgiveness. Because you shouldn't be in debt. You can't live life in debt all the time. So God had a plan. The problem is, is that in the United States, you can't apply that verse. Let's say you got a car loan. You can't go to Ford or something, whatever Toyota says, you know, according to the Bible, the Bible says in Deuteronomy 15, you got to forgive me every seven years, so let's just rip up that, that debt, you know? Oh, man, it's like, I don't care, you know, it's like, who are you, you know? Who, who are you, some Jesus freak or something? What, 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 what are you doing? You know, we, we don't do this, you know? You know, you, you can't do this. We, we, you, you don't do that. You can't do that, you know? The principle of canceling debt is still there. It's just that you can't do it the way that God said when it's amongst the same faith and you got a country that is based upon believing in the one true God. But the principle of not being in debt still stands so much in the, Old Test in the New Testament when Jesus gives multiple parables about people in debt. It is always like they're in bad states. They're about to be like beat up and, you know, uh, you know the force is about to, okay, where's the money, you know, type of thing. And there's always... Uh, someone that is in dire straits. Now, this is really important, a very important principle about common sense and wisdom when it comes to debt, that as a follower of Jesus Christ, and you don't have to be a follower of Jesus Christ. You don't even have to believe in God. You just don't want to be in debt for a long time. Now, which means a few things. That means once you, you, one means that you, you kind of live within your means. Now, I was trying to be a, have an illustration of this. So uh, I decided that uh, I would wear this very stylish outfit for you. <laughs> and because I'm a living parable, believe it or not, um, the top and the pants, Old Navy. <laughs> now, uh, the reason I got this top, and I, I, I basically, uh, I, I, I went to Old Navy, and I says, oh, man, this is a great deal. It's, it's, uh, you know, they have their regular price, and then when they're trying to get rid of this, the seeds and stuff, they, put, they slash in half. And I said, they're selling these nice, like, sport tops for $10 each, you know? Doesn't get much lower than that, you know? So I said, man, what color I should get? Well, I should get one of every color. It, it's, it's, it's $10 each, so I bought four of them. And if you want to get me a gift, there's two colors I didn't buy. I didn't buy the green, and I didn't buy the dark gray. But I have the brown. I wore the black yesterday. I have the blue. And I have some other color that I forgot. But it's, it's <laughs> in the brown, the brown. What I mean, you know, I, got, I got four of them. So I'm wearing this, right? It's 10 bucks, right? And then the pants are, 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 old, are old AB too, you see? Now, I spent a little bit more on the pants. But something about pants, you want nice pants, man. So I got, these are like 29 bucks at, at Old Navy. I think they're really nice, man. I think they're really nice. <laughs> the shoes are Gilroy Premium Outlet, but Gilroy Premium Outlet when there's a sale on the shoe at the Premium Outlet. The watch is clearance at Sport Authority, plus the once a week coupon you get at the San Francisco Chronicle. <laughs> 10 or 10% or 10 bucks off, that's this. Costco. <laughs> oh, she said. Nothing more than $39.95 for frame, man. And I think they look great on me. 
<laughs> I've had to learn to live within my means. So much that um, everything I spend, I write down. It's kind of a quirky thing about me. My wife says, what do you do? You know what I'm doing, I'm writing down what I'm spending. Is that I, I, I have to keep a mental note of what I spend. This is what I do. And it, it helped me to really understand budgeting. So I write it down, I, I have like, so it's like okay, so it's like, okay. I try to look stylish, you know. So I look stylish, you know. I think I, I, think I, I, think I succeeded, you know. Uh, uh, but I need to leave within my means. When it comes to my daughter and the call to uh, possibly moving to North Carolina, the same thing kicked in. She said, you know, it just costs a lot to live, even in Southern California. You know, they didn't want to live like really far, you know. And I said, well, in North Carolina, you get like, I don't know, twice, three times the spot, half the, half the, half the price. I was joking, you know, yeah, you know, in South Carolina, North Carolina, they probably throw in like some barbecue, you know, pit or something, you know. <laughs> Throwing a ranch, 20 head of cattle, you know, all, all that, you know? It's like, just, to, just to, to help you sign, you know? And my wife said to her, you know, I can understand, and we'll support you wherever you move to. And when my wife told me what she said, I said to her, I'd say the same thing. Even though if they ever move, it would rip our hearts out. Isn't that a hoot, huh? You know, I, you know, you can't. I, I didn't share this with other people, with the other services. But when I left New York City when I was 21, I never really lived with family for the next 40, 50, 30, years of my life. I've always moved around from Texas to Chicago to San Francisco. And so my daughters are very precious to me and to my wife. Um, but in life, you know, sometimes you're bound by the, by the finances you do. And, and for a lot of the key decisions that you make, I mean, that's what will guide you because you're bound by it. You don't want to get, that's it. That's all you can do. So you got to do it. That's all there's a lift. So even though it could rip your heart out, that's all you can do, you know? Debt. Living within your means. Very, very important principle. Do plenty of books to help you figure out what to do with that. But it usually means kind of removing a dream or two from your life. The next principle I want to share is also in the realm of common sense and common wisdom. It's not about trying to get out of debt, but it's, it's about enjoyment. It's sort of the flip side. And a lot of it is, is, is balance, counterbalance, counterpoint. I'm going to uh, show two uh, verses, very obscure verses. This is by the Apostle Paul. Wives love this passage. But he who is married cares about the things of the world, how he may please his wife. He says, this is the way it is, man. When you're married, you care about your wife, how to please her. It's a no-brainer. You don't have to pray whether she'd please your wife. You don't need to pray about whether you, know, you should care for your wife. You don't, have to, you don't have to pray for her. It's default mode. This is the way it should be. It's the way it is. 
Okay, I'm going to show you another passage. Matthew 7, 11. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven good, give good things to those who ask him? Now, this is amazing because Jesus um, goes even one further. He says, look, it's just a common sense, common wisdom thing about caring for your children, giving good gifts for your children that even evil people know. Evil people know how to do that, you know? This is amazing. It's not whether only godly people know this. Only people who go to Cornerstone Church know this, you know? Even evil people, evil people go to Cornerstone Church know this, okay? <laughs> not there aren't evil people, but it's, it's, it's just hypothetical, you know? That evil people know this. It's, com it's, com it's, it's what we call common grace, common sense, common wisdom. You don't have to pray about it. You don't, you just, there's, you don't live in debt, but there's something about finances and about your family. You got, you, it's a matter of also enjoying and allowing the people in your immediate family to enjoy as well. Very interesting principle that's in the Bible, common sense, common grace. Now, now how does that work, actually? Let me tell you. When my daughter gave us the call and says, how much do we have to spend? Because Chinese people like to do weddings big. Okay. And she used that card where, well, how much did you use for Allie? <sighs> Man. I said, you know, I'm, I'm not in the same financial situation that I was. You have to understand that. Oh, it's okay. <laughs> I understand that. I, I, I understand that. I, I understand that a lot, but you did spend a lot of money on Allie. But I, I understand. I understand. I understand. It's okay. Uh, uh, Christ has told me to forgive. <laughs> I'm angry. She never said that, but it would have been good if she did, you know? Would have been good if she did. Well, basically, I said, you know, I'll give you. I got to tell you, I didn't have a retirement fund until I was 47, 46 years old. I have no retirement. I have no pension. When I was 50, I probably had about 50 years old. I probably had about $50,000 in cash in my name. I, mean, I got to tell you, you got to understand who I am. I said to my daughter, I'll give you $20,000. Not as much as, as Allie, but here's $20,000. To which we had a whale of a time. I got to show you the picture of this thing, man. If I, had, if, if, if I had about 10 more minutes, I would have showed you the slideshow of this. It was at San Juan Cabestrano at, at Robert Schuller's Crystal's Cathedral Retreat Center, and when it says Crystal Cathedral, you know it's top notch, you know? You know there's no spider webs, or you're not drinking Kool-Aid, you know, for the drink, you know? It's like, we're a top notch place, beautiful stuff, dance floor, we were dancing to like, 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 oh man, it, it, was, it, was, it was beautiful. I've done over 200 weddings in my life, officiating them. I did my older daughter's wedding. This is the best wedding I've ever been to. Okay, and I'm not lying on this one. This one is the best wedding. Why did, why did I spend the money? 
Because if I can afford it, I want to make sure my daughters know that I love them. And I want to, if I can afford it, they're going to receive a good gift from me every so often. Because even evil people <laughs> do that. <laughs> All I told Avi, I says, I do this so that when I'm old, you put me in a good nursing home. <laughs> That's all I ask, man. That's all I ask. Okay. You're my daughters. You'll know I use that line every so often as a reminder. Okay, I use it with my older daughter. I use it with my older. Say, say. So sometimes, you know, it's a matter of, of, of enjoyment, you know? But you do it within your means, you know? You do it within your means, and it's a matter of enjoyment. You can't be cheap, man. You can't be cheap. Because if you're cheap with your children, they're going to remember you, you know? They're going to remember you, you know? And that's not, not good. You know, I want it so that when they have the memorial service for me, even though I, I don't know what they say, I have faith they will say something kind about me. And they'll love me because I'm a, I'm, I was a gracious person. That's a very, very important. Now, going from the common grace and the common sense and the common wisdom, we now go into a different perspective of the new way of looking at things that Jesus brings. Not that Jesus does away with common sense. Is that what Jesus brings in is a teaching of a new perspective or new worldview upon things. And oftentimes people don't understand this about Jesus. They think Jesus is all about the past, all oh, forgiving my sins, you know? All about the future. Oh, I get a new body, man, make me taller, you know, and, and when I get the resurrection. But they don't understand it's about the present and it's about the worldview of the present. That's as much as the faith because the faith is a continuum. We, we want faith in the past and the present and in the, in the, in the past and the future and the present. We, we live there any way we want. That's not true. Everyone in the Bible who had faith had faith in the present that had ramifications in the past and the, and the future, but it was always lived in the present. And when you look at faith in the present, it's a great game changer, man. I'm going to read a passage of scripture for you really quick, and it's found in your program. It's in Luke chapter 19, verses 2 to 10. And it reads like this. I'll read quickly. Now, behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. This guy was a crook. He was the chief crook. And he sought to see who Jesus was, but could not because, the crowd was, uh, because of the crowd, and he was of short stature. So he ran ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste, come down, for today I must stay at your house. So he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. But when he, they saw it, they all complained, saying, He has gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor, and if I've taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. And Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because he also is a son of Abraham. Now, what's interesting is in the, in the Gospel of Luke, there's a lot of these narratives where people respond to Jesus with not really nothing really said. Here is one of these things. What does Jesus say that's so theologically changing? All he said was, can I stay at your house? 
nothing about what to believe. And I'm sure there was some deeper conversation exchange, but it's not the emphasis of this passage. The emphasis was solely on Zacchaeus's response because faith is now defined in the Gospel of Luke not as what you think, but in terms of what you think and how it shows and how you live. Faith is now connected to your actions. It's a connection. You don't earn your salvation, but what you hold in your heart and what you do is it's like the totally same thing. So what Zacchaeus does is incredible. First, he says to Jesus, he says, I will give half of my wealth to the poor, which is an amazing thing because in the Old Testament, it was not required to give half. Neither did Jesus require Zacchaeus to give half. He just wanted to do it. In the Old Testament, all that was required was that if you had, was a farmer, you would not harvest the perimeter of your farm, and that as the harvesters come, as they cut with the right, they catch with the left, and what they can't catch, what falls to the ground, they could not go up back and pick it up. That was to be left on the ground for the poor to come to pick the fruit around the perimeter and to gather that which fell from the ground. Okay, so I don't know how much of this. You know, you, you, I'm sure these guys were union trained guys. They, you know, they, 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 got, they got probably had these mitts that had extra fender extenders on them, you know? I, I mean, you know, you know, a few percentage, 5% falls on the ground, you know? Okay, with the perimeter, and you know, what's, what's in the perimeter? Everything's in the center anyway, you know? You know, five, 10% most, you know, you give to the poor. What, what Zacchaeus does is okay, 5%, let's put another zero on that, buddy. Let's make it 50%. Not required by the law, not even required by Jesus. Jesus never even asked Zacchaeus. All Jesus says, I need this, can I stay at your place? Okay. What's really interesting is that Zacchaeus says, then whoever I swindled, I give back fourfold, 400%. Now understand this beauty. You're gonna look at this next passage in Leviticus. It says, then it shall be because he has sinned and is guilty that he shall restore what he has stolen or which he has extorted or what was delivered to him for safekeeping or the lost thing which he found or all that about which he has sworn falsely. He shall restore its full value, add one-fifth more to it, and give it to whomever it belonged on the day of his trespass offering. Now, the law is really clear. Old Testament law, you swindle, you're guilty, you pay it back, plus 20% penalty. It's the way it is. It's very, very clear, 20%. Zacchaeus says, 400%, baby. 20x, 20 times. What Jesus says is, salvation has come to this place. And I didn't even ask for this, man. Now, what in the world is happening to Zacchaeus, man? What's happening to Zacchaeus is he is being kicked from the wisdom zone, common sense zone of survival into this zone that is actually a game changer, a life changer, because it's not about the handling of money in terms of how to buy, how to, how to sell, and how to, how to the budget, and, and, uh, but it's about the value of money itself. Because now Zacchaeus is understanding the world perspective of the material world as Jesus has taught. There's a famous passage in Matthew 6, 
verse 19 to 21, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This is found in the Sermon on the Mount. And the Sermon on the Mount is also found in some of the other Gospels. It's in Matthew, it's in, it's in, it's in, it's in Luke. It is part of the core teaching of Jesus Christ, world perspective concerning the things you own. And it's basically this premise. It's not that money isn't useful. Money is plenty useful. I couldn't have got this nice shirt. I couldn't have gotten four of them without money. I couldn't have got these glasses. I couldn't pay for my gas and be here without money. I couldn't have bought my Ford Focus without money. I'm the only Asian American who drives a Ford Focus in the state of California. <laughs> I could not have bought it without money. Money, I, I went with my wife last night to Alibaba's cave, which is like three blocks from here. And I can't pay cash, buddy. Couldn't eat, couldn't eat the falafel plate without money. Money's very useful, man. Matter of fact, if you have offered a, two jobs and they both were the same working hours, same distance driving, as a matter of the same boss, same exact conditions, but one paid twice the other one, don't even pray about it. <laughs> Take the one that pays two times more, man. It's the way it is, man. Don't give me that, oh, I gotta pray about this, man. <laughs> gotta pray about this. No, don't give me that, don't give me that. Seen that before, man. Take that, take that, because that's just that's common sense, man. It's the same job, man. Just take, take it, man. Money is very useful, man. Very useful. Understand that. It's just that in the game-changing perspective of Christ and the worldview, from an eternal perspective, the money is useful. From an eternal perspective, it has no value. And that is a game changer, man. Because it's not about what to do in order to survive. It's an undergirding principle of the value, intrinsic value of that thing that's in your pocket or in your purse. And that if you understood and you trusted in what Jesus is saying, that ultimately, from an eternal perspective, it is worthless, what does that do to you in terms of agony and anxiety and worry and how you use it? You know, for me, when I made that decision to leave pastoring, to go teaching full time as a professor, I knew I would love being a professor. I was part time for about four years, and I love it. I'm an innate teacher. But what made it really hard was that um, I get a 60% cut in my salary. And I tell you, that was not easy. It was not easy. Matter of fact, everyone in my family, my two daughters, their husbands, my wife, make more than me. Okay. I just put out that tell you, man. Just tell you. It's not an easy decision. So what did I make it? 
I'll tell you a story, just, and I'll close with this, and maybe a few other things. <laughs> my wife was talking to her best friend in New York City about two days ago, and was sharing, updating about my recent weight loss and my desire to be physically fit. I don't know if you know, but I'm, 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 I'm 15 pounds lighter than four months ago because I run about five hours a, a week. I eat kind of regular, but I run a lot, you see. And I think I look good. I think I look good. <laughs> it accentuates the Old Navy styling of clothing. <laughs> so she was talking to her best friend and says, and she says, but will Jeff last on this? It is always the question, you know, because dieting, you balloon, you know? I, this has been done before, you know? Then you balloon up, man. And she shared that with me. That's what she said to her friend. And I said to my wife, Judy, I says, but there's a big difference this time. I'm happy. Because I'm free. Because after 53 years of living, you come to realization that money is useful, that from an eternal perspective, it's not worth anything. And that the only thing that lasts is your commitment to God and that what he will bring when Christ returns. I might have known that in my head. I didn't understand what that meant, but about six months ago. You know, as you make decisions in your life, there's going to be many things that come your way. Some you're going to use wisdom and common sense. Try to stay out of debt, live within your means. Others you're going to spend for enjoyment for your family, take them on a nice vacation, buy them something nice. And sometimes you're going to just realize that what you do and what you put your whole life into from an eternal perspective isn't worth anything. That is the real moment of decision and the life-changing perspective that Jesus Christ brings. And with that, my, my message ends. This service will continue with uh, the receiving of offering and a final song, but I'm going to offer a prayer for us all. Our Heavenly Father, in all things, allow us to grow and understand you and have a faith in you in the present that changes our perspective, our world perspective of life and of the things that we own and the possession that we are wise, but we also have the perspective of Jesus Christ, of its intrinsic worthlessness. So we work on that which is key and important in your eyes. So help us grow in this way, for we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>